couldn't help but be reminded of uh, this next week's upcoming memory verse for the men's study. It's in Psalms uh, 95, verse 2. It says, let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a king above all gods. And, you know, praise God that we can come into this place, that we can declare uh, how the battle has uh, been won, the Lord, won by the Lord, how we can declare God's faithfulness, we declare God's mercy, uh, and most of all, we can declare God's greatness. And uh, praise God. So welcome. Uh, welcome here to Refuge Bible Fellowship. We're going to have just a few announcements before uh, we get started and have uh, Pastor Raul come up here and share in his devotion mes- message. And also, as we uh, get to hear uh, this morning about just the, uh, the great work uh, that God uh, did just this past week as the men, uh, as the team went out to, to Haiti. Um, so uh, speaking of, uh, of missions and opportunities to serve, uh, our first announcement this morning is uh, for, we have an upcoming, uh, another missions opportunity for, for those of you who are interested. It's our Mexico missions trip. Um, it's coming up uh, just in a couple months, uh, January 6th through 9th. Uh, it's going to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's a quick turnaround trip, but it's a great opportunity uh, to be able to minister. We go down to Casa Esperanza, and that is a women's and children's home uh, down uh, just south of, of Ensenada. And uh, there's, there's plenty of opportunities. Typically, uh, the team goes down to the Bible College and, and stays there, and there's always uh, work to be done and opportunities to, to minister. Um, there's the, the, just the time uh, just where we go down to Casa Esperanza and we uh, just are, are there to, to be of, of use, uh, to, to do the Lord's work. And so uh, if you're interested, uh, this is something for you that, that you can definitely be praying about just as we, as we get closer to the dates. There's going to be information at the information Information at the information table. That makes sense, right? There's going to be information back there at the table. So uh, we encourage you to, to get involved. The cost is $175 per person. Uh, so we look forward uh, to that work. Um, also, we're just around the corner a few weeks away from our Christmas program. Uh, it's Wonder and Worship. And this is just an opportunity for us here to come together and also to invite invite others uh, to come out and, and worship. This is a, an outreach opportunity, uh, just as the gospel will be uh, preached, it will be shared, the good news, just the message of, of Christmas. And that's coming up Saturday, December 11th, uh, right around the corner. Before you know it, we're, we're there. And so we look forward to that. Uh, I believe there's flyers going around. I, I think I saw a few here and there um, that you could uh, hand out to friends or family. So get a hold of those. Um, also coming up on Saturday, November 13th, we have our youth group. They're going to be going out to Knott's Berry Farm. Um, and so uh, this is for all those uh, youth, those involved in our youth ministry. Uh, please get signed up. Uh, you need to get signed up no matter what, whether you have an annual pass or not. So parents and youth out there, please uh, go to the back, get signed up. That way the team could get an accurate count of how many uh, kids will be going, and just what, what a great opportunity. There's been a lot of things going on with the youth lately, I see, and that's just a, an awesome uh, thing to, to hear of, just uh, that there's opportunities there, right, for our kids, our children to, 
just to, to be around a, a safe environment, uh, but more so to be encouraged and to be built up in, in their faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, parents, get your kids signed up. Um, also, just as a reminder, next week, next Saturday night, don't forget to turn uh, those clocks back. It's uh, that time of year. Once again, if you notice, if you wake up like, you know, 6 o'clock, 6.30, it's still dark. It's crazy. Um, but next week, we get to turn those clocks back one hour. Uh, so don't forget or else you're going to be a little late to church the next, the next morning. Uh, and then also, finally, to wrap up our announcements, we have our monthly uh, men's prayer breakfast coming up this Saturday. Uh, this is something that we do month in and month out for the men. And so we're going to gather right there in the back as we have a time of fellowship, uh, a time of uh, just eating breakfast together, uh, sharing with one another, uh, encouraging each other. Uh, but most of all, we have that time uh, to pray. We have that time to pray uh, for our church, uh, for all the various ministries. We have a time to just lift up our requests, to lift our supplications to God who hears us. And we're so thankful for that. Amen? Amen. Well, before Pastor Rawl comes up, we have just one more special uh, announcement. So Stephen and Darcy are going to come up right now. Thank you. Just like to point out that that is the last remaining change from COVID that has been undone doing announcements. So praise God. We're done. Nothing left of COVID changes. Uh, so let's segue into um, talking about our uh, God's Under Shepherd here at Refuge. And um, we can start out with his leadership over the last 18 months where, there's, believe it or not, there are still churches, many churches that are still closed or still online and um, through uh, God's impressing it on pastor's heart, um, we've been open all but nine weeks, something like that, in some form or another. So praise God for, uh, for our pastor, for his leadership, and for the leadership team here that um, decided to open and stay open. And um, so we're here to talk about uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, we should appreciate our pastor all year long, but this is the time we choose to uh, have an outpouring, an extra outpouring of appreciation. Um, you should see the stack of cards here. You guys are awesome. And we know how much you love our pastor, and it's just, it's beautiful um, for, for this expression. Uh, I think the best way that we can appreciate our pastor, though, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, is to, I think the thing that blesses his heart the most is when he sees you here, when he sees you doing what God has called you to do, um, this is, this is in regards to children, but I think he would consider us all his children. Third, John uh, 1.4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And that applies to all of us. I know that's the best way we can appreciate our pastors. If we are serious about our walks, we are serious about our relationship uh, and how we are obedient to do what God has called each one of us to do. So I think that's the best way we can show our appreciation. We do have this uh, basket, a bunch of people of contributed cards and gift cards, and so if we could have uh, Pastor and Bettina. Is Isaiah here? Somewhere? Isaac and Trina, where are you? 
Where is she? There she is. She's like, she doesn't want to get up. Come on up. Center stage. So uh, I just want to thank you from Darcy and I, from the church. Just see if I can get through this. Your friendship, your steadfastness, um, just an example, we were on Sunday, right, we, we had the, the kidnapping and we had a meeting, are we going, we knew we were going, but we, um, just your, your steadfastness in calming the team and, and the wives, and, uh, but that's you all the time, and you lead and you're faithful to preach the word, and that's what we need and it's getting rare and rare, and I love you, and I appreciate you. So let's pray. <clears throat> let's try to pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you, and uh, Lord, we know you're on the throne, and you're in control, and uh, you blow us away each day as you answer prayers, and as you uh, move in hearts, and as you uh, provide our pastor with the words that he preaches from this pulpit. Lord, we ask that you would continue to anoint him as he's uh, your under-shepherd responsible for this flock, that you would keep him close to you, keep him close to your word. Lord, that he would have the strength and the boldness to proclaim the hard things that are in your word and that he would never divert from those. Lord, we thank you for his, his uh, faithfulness, and, uh, Lord, we ask that you continue to pour out your spirit upon him. Lord, we lift up Bettina to you. And we, as the helpmate that you have brought for Raul, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen her, that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon her and lead her and guide her. Lord, that you would pour out your wisdom, your grace, and your mercy on this couple, on their family. Lord, that you would protect them from uh, just fiery darts from the enemy that come from within and without of the church, Lord. That you would continue to provide and protect this family, Lord, we lift up Isaiah to you. We ask that you would continue to put a hedge of protection around him with the huge target he has on his back as a pastor's son, Lord, that you would uh, continue to lead, guide, and direct him, Lord, and protect him from all the cares of this world uh, that are impacting him, Lord. We ask for strength and health and uh, a blessing upon him, Lord. We ask uh, for a blessing upon Isaac and Trina, too, as, as they... Um, serve here at this church as an example of a young couple. Um, Lord, we just uh, thank you and praise you for their example. We ask that you would continue to bless them and that you would continue to protect them as they're uh, under fire as well, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you'd give them wisdom as they build their home and build their life together, that you would bless it. Lord, we lift up uh, the other uh, family, Lord, Christopher, Reuben, and his family, Lord, that you would continue to speak into their hearts, that you would provide, protect, and uh, Lord, that you would point them, surround them with people that point them towards you, Lord, and uh, give them no choice to look up and uh, praise you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all of this. Lord, we thank you for our faithful under-shepherd, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.
You know, I think of um, all the things uh, that are done <clears throat> that's, uh, that's, that's difficult, to be honest with you. Um, but at, in the same breath, um, I'm very appreciative. I understand, and uh, I will continue to do my best to bring glory to God, uh, being faithful to him, uh, even if it's at your expense. <laughs> so sometimes that happens, right? I, I, I know as far as, you know, being convicted and all of that, and I pray that God's conviction just remain upon me um, to just walk with the Lord. As, uh, as a man who falls short day in and day out, um, I pray that the Lord would continue to, to do something, something with this uh, flawed vessel and uh, thank you for the prayers for my family. The love that you give to us is truly encouraging, and it's uplifting, and, uh, and it d definitely uh, helps us to continue to go on. Uh, but we've always said that even from the very beginning, if it's just the family and a couple other people, um, we will continue to serve the Lord as he has called us to. But we are happy that you are, have come along. We are um, just overjoyed because in and through that, the Lord is glorified. And uh, truly, 3 John 1.4 is a very fitting scripture, a verse that I hold very close to my heart. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy. It, it, it really, the only thing that matters is that you're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in that you are applying the word in such a way that uh, it, it is obvious that you have uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and you are growing in Him and maturing. And so, again, thank you um, from my family um, to you. Uh, we're thankful. We thank you for the gifts, and I uh, can't wait to read those cards. All right, so um, a thought that I had in worship um, and that is something that is in, let's see here. Okay. So in 2 Samuel chapter 6, And I just want to read uh, one verse. So 2 Samuel chapter 6. <clears throat> uh, this was when, by the way, um, the ark was brought to Jerusalem. There was some, something that happened. That first of all, they weren't following the instructions of the Lord as to how to bring it back. And so we, knew, we know that Uzzah was, was put to death because um, he touched the, the ark of the Lord. Um, and so after that, they had gone to the house of Obed-Edom, and uh, in his household was, was blessed uh, for the time that it was there. Uh, it was just a, a few months that it was there. And then David had gone to Obed-Edom, and, uh, and he brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And you know, I, I want to just draw your attention to that word rejoicing and how it was that there was rejoicing be, before the ark of the Lord. There was great sacrifice that was 
performed uh, as they were bringing the ark of God to Jerusalem. It says in verse 13, And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. You see, our, our worship requires a sacrifice. And as we express our joy, our gratitude, uh, we give the sacrifices of our lips, which is evidence of that which is in our heart. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So when, when it says there, and David danced before the Lord, it wasn't to bring attention to himself. He, he really, at that very moment, remember, he was the king of Israel. Think about that. The king of Israel in that moment was the worship leader, and, but he, he, he was not bringing his intention, at least, was not to bring attention to himself. He was just in, in that moment, just wanting to worship and praise God. And he was undignified. As a king, that is something that is a no-no. It's unheard of. You know, the father of the prodigal son, when he saw his, his son from afar became undignified. The love that he had for the son caused him to gird up his loins and to run toward that son that was returning. He could care less what his appearance was before others. At that very moment, he was so grateful that his son was coming back home that he allowed himself to be undignified. Michael, or David, was undignified. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. You know, there's nothing that pleases the Lord more in a, the time of worship. That is, what I'm referring to is that time before uh, we give the announcements and the word. If, if all of us, if all of God's people were to become undignified... That we could care less how we sound in the ears of the person in front of us. Off key or not, it doesn't matter. Loud, it doesn't matter. We're just singing unto the Lord. Because when they were bringing, and get this, the ark of God was the very place where God promised to meet his people. But Jesus has torn the veil. When we acknowledge his presence, we come to understand that he is with us here, right now. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Sometimes we're so worried about other people. Because other, sometimes other people will look at someone lifting their hands, and they'll say, look at that person. You know, they're lifting their hands to the Lord, bringing attention to themselves, and, you know, they, they just want to be looked at as perhaps a righteous person who 
and stop. Before we get to that place to where we're that person, that daughter of Saul is, the way she was referred to, she was identified. She was identified as, yes, she was the, 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 the wife of King David, but in this, in this verse, she was referred to as the daughter of Saul, whom the Spirit had departed from, and the kingdom was given to David, her then husband. I bring that to your attention because I want you in this moment, you know, the whole time that we were in Haiti, I was asking the Lord to just guide by his spirit. And I believe this morning as we're gathered together and then considering what we experienced in Haiti as far as the praise and the worship, which you will just get a taste of it, a glimpse of it. And even then it won't do it any justice. How was that that the, the people would come together and they would sing with loud voices? They didn't play any instruments, and it was simply their voices, and it was a beautiful sound unto the Lord. It was a sacrifice of their heart. Along with 3 John 1, 4, one of the things that I desire is that we don't turn down the volume of these speakers, but at some point we drown out the worship team. That we become undignified because we are so in love with Jesus Christ, we are so grateful and thankful for what he's done in our lives, that we truly, when we say what these, um, these bones will cry is, or sing or whatever, and that we, we will cry out, we will sing out to the Lord, like truly, not just the words. Like, you know, Ray talked about worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. But that, it would, it would just be overwhelming. Listen, we, we can get a little charismatic here. I mean, as far as that's concerned, don't be afraid. There we go. There we go. Is that it? Okay. There's a difference between being charismatic or, or being excited about the Lord. And as Papa Chuck would say, charismania in his book. There's a difference between that, Okay. We can get excited about the Lord. So please, please, get like David. Get like that prodigal son's father and allow yourself to become a little undignified in your worship of the Lord. I can't help but like this morning, I'm thinking, God, you are so good. I got to stand up. I got to lift my hands to you. When we say great Lord, why, why wouldn't we lift our hands to the Lord? He is great. He is worthy of our praise, right? Lift up your hands. Don't be worried about the person behind you. If they can't see, well, may, that'll cause them to stand up too, maybe. <laughs> we want to be known as worshipers of God in every sense. When people walk through those doors and they're unbelievers, may they see like joy in our hearts, not only eager to serve, not going through the motions, but truly just, just being genuine in every sense. I hope that's what we're known for. Well, I'm excited this morning. I hope that makes sense. All right. A couple of, one or two got it. I hope that made sense to you this morning. Are you excited? All right. God is good. You know, I, I did not, um, 
I, I got to tell you that this morning, because it was going to be uh, different, we've never done this before, really, um, really had a, brought a report in this manner, uh, testified of God's work on a missionary uh, trip. Um, so I was kind of like at a loss. How is it that I do a short devotional message and then go into um, this time of giving you a report? And um, so it, I have to say it wasn't until this morning in prayer when uh, one of my dear sisters brought up uh, John chapter 4, uh, which is what I taught on, by the way, on Sunday in uh, Marseille, Haiti. And uh, that was in regards to Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And so I want to just touch on that real quick before we, and that'll bring us into our time of, uh, of um, reporting on the trip itself. So please turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 4. Now we're going to read, and I'm, I'm going to just go over a few things along the way. Or actually after <clears throat> you read a little bit, yeah, I'll, I'll touch on it. Again, I didn't plan on this, but this is what the Lord has impressed upon me, and I'm discerning that this is exactly what he has for us this morning. In John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, which would be 12 noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaria. Let's stop there just for a moment because we need to give a little background here. Uh, normally, the Jews despise the, Samar the, uh, the Samaritans so much so that they would actually avoid going through Samaria. They would travel around it. And so what would normally take perhaps a day's journey would turn into two or three. And it didn't matter because the Samaritans were despised. Well, Jesus did not go around it, but he went through it. Not only did he go through it, but he stopped in Samaria. And he sat down at the well. Now, this woman came, and they started this conversation. And notice that it was started, it was initiated by Jesus, not the Samaritan woman, because she knew that Jews really didn't talk to the Samaritan women, or the Samaritans for that. And so it was Jesus who initiated, she did not initiate it. And, ask, and as he asked for a, uh, a drink of water, he said, um, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And that was it. That was all, that was how he started the conversation. Give me a drink. 
If you're looking for a conversation starter in order to perhaps uh, tell someone about Jesus Christ, learn from Jesus himself, he simply said, give me a drink. Hey, excuse me. Whatever it is that the Lord has for you in that moment, that's a conversation starter. Are these your kids? Do you work here? That it, right? That's it. That's, that's, what's, that's what started the conversation. But here's the thing is that it says here that she said her response to him was not, oh, okay, I'll give you a drink of water. She was at the well and he was at the well. She said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? She knew about all of that. Why are you even talking to me? But she referred to him as a Jew. That was all she, she knew him as, just a Jew. But then Jesus answered her in verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She initially was not getting any of it now. She didn't get exactly who was before her. And notice, though, that initially she referred to him as a Jew. And now she had some respect for him. Engaging in this conversation, now the bridge of trust was beginning to be built and developed and strengthened, and she had some respect for him. Remember this, that the Samaritans and the Jews had no respect for each other, and at this very point, there was at least some, some respect. This woman looked to Jesus and called him, Sir, I want to have this water. But she still didn't get it. She still, still didn't understand who he was. I think sometimes that's the case with people who come to church. Initially, you see Jesus as just simply a Jew. Historically speaking, he existed. I believe that uh, he, was, he was someone who performed miracles. And perhaps he is a son of God. But you don't look to him as anyone more than a Jew. But then you start spending some time in God's word and you get to a point to where you begin to respect who he is. And maybe at that point, you don't even allow anyone to disrespect him. You're very respectful yourself. And you, like the woman, perhaps refer to him as in a respectful way. She referred to him as, as sir. First to Jew, now sir. Well, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. 
Interesting. First, give me a drink of water, and now it's go get your husband and bring him here, right? The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Well, in this moment, she is actually, as the Lord has revealed to her, the truth, the reality. In fact, reality is truth. As she confessed that and agreed, this was, uh, this was a confession before the Lord. Saying, you're right, you don't have a husband, you've had, you've had five. And the one that you're with is not your husband. And it's at that very moment that she realized that he knew everything about her. Everything was exposed to him. And so she perceived that he was a prophet. Not just a Jew. She didn't just have respect for him. It went beyond that. Now he's, he's a prophet. He knows all things. It's been revealed to him. He's been anointed by God. Well, because of this, saying, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She goes on to say, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, I uh, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Keep in mind that he referred to her in a very respectful manner. You know, when we say, woman, believe me, it, it may be a different tone and in, in a different, it perceived differently and received differently, right? Woman. Perhaps it could be demeaning. It's not with the Lord. What he was saying there was very, very respectful. But he goes on to say, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. There's this, this conversation is going back and forth, and he's talking about not on that mountain, not on this mountain. It, it's, it's in spirit and in truth that the Father is seeking such to worship him. In our worship, in order for it to be worship, has to be aligned with the Spirit, and the Spirit will lead us in all truth. It has to be together. It's not one or the other, it's just, it's both together. But the woman, even in that moment, she didn't understand, even at that moment, she said, I know that the Messiah is coming. Can you imagine Jesus is saying, right? I'm right here. I'm speaking to you, right? Right here. 
Sometimes we, we miss that Christ is right before us. We respect him. We know that he's a prophet. Kind of worship him from afar, but we miss the point that he's with us. He desires a relationship. Just one-on-one conversations, an acknowledgement, an understanding, a, a trust, a, a reliance upon him, that we go to him as, as our refuge, as our king, our Lord, We need to get beyond that. Verse 27 says, Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. That whole relationship, right? But no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have no food. I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. This is proof that uh, territorial battles between churches are of no concern to the Lord and, should, and are not of him. For it says here that he sent them to reap where they had not sown. So think about that. It's the work of the Lord all coming together. All right. But this is a, a moment, this is kind of like a, a parenthetical statement to where there's activity happening at this, and, and the Lord is working at the same time with the disciples as he is in the heart of the Samaritan woman as she goes and she tells everyone about Jesus back in town. It's all happening at the same time. Now it's here that I made an application in Haiti about how it is that we have simply come alongside the, our Haitian brothers and sisters and are stirring them up, are helping them, assisting them, and hopefully encouraging them in furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our food is to do the will of him who sent us to accomplish his work. That was it. We're just servants of the Lord. In verse 39 says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. We're about to give a testimony. Now, one thing is to believe us, believe, believe the Lord because of the testimony of someone else. But watch as we continue on. He told me all that I ever did. This was the woman's testimony, and this so they believed. So when the Samaritans came to him, they personally went to Jesus. They asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. 
For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That is awesome. That is an an awesome story. Uh, The Samaritan woman went back and said, could this be? They believed because of her testimony. How powerful is a testimony? But then they went and heard for themselves, and then they asked him, stay with us a couple days. He did, and they came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They believed him, not because of her testimony, but because they heard straight from him. That is the power of opening up the word of God and spending time with the Lord yourself. Because you have that relationship with him, that intimacy, and that time where he is speaking directly into your heart. You cannot replace that. By even coming on a Sunday. This is just a, for this to be more effective, it requires for you to draw closer to the Lord and spend time in his word. Growing. So with this, we are encouraged. And with this, we lead into our time of testimony. This is what we're doing. As the, the Haiti, the Refuge Haiti Missions team now are gathering together and we will give testimony of what God has done in his faithfulness. So I want to invite the team up, um, Stephen, Jesse, George, Jesus, and Moses, come on up. Our Haiti missions trip, October 18th through the 25th, kind of leaked into the 26th. But a couple verses that I was thinking about in light of this, and I'm sure that they will all agree with me. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. <laughs> we, have, we saw that over and over and over again throughout this, this whole trip. Uh, Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Well, he worked through it, and he brought it to a completion. He brought us safely home, but keep in mind that, um, you know, for the Christian, safely home is not necessarily physically home. Safely home, he will bring us, and he will be faithful in doing that, and that's with a big H, and home with the Lord, right? Right? 